Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. And then the last bit of good news. Um, Our friend Jacob Rutledge is now the pastor of Walters Grove Baptist Church in Lexington, North Carolina. They voted this morning to receive him as their pastor. 95% voted yes. So I sent him a picture of my gun and said, tell me who the 5% were and I'll tell you. I'll go ahead and clean the church. I'll go ahead and fix the problem, child, for you from the start. (laughs) So uh, then I asked him, I said, now, are you still going to be able to come in May for us lowly people? And uh, he said he would love to. So uh, the plan is for him to still come. So he was the pastor, just to get the full context of, of Unity or Liberty, Unity Baptist Church in Amory, Mississippi. And uh, during COVID, when we couldn't get to Uganda, we would, we would drive from Salisbury down to Amory. It's about a two-hour drive. And um, every Friday, we'd drive down there and go street preaching with him and his family out on the street corner. And um, he's just been a good friend and a, and a blessing to us, he and his family. Um, you'll, you'll greatly enjoy him and his, his family when they come. Um, he's a, huh? They are young. Well, he's... He's probably, he, yeah, he, they're young. He, she's younger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he's been a good friend, a good blessing. And so uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, said he would like me to come preach for them sometime when he gets settled. So that'd be, that'd be exciting. I don't know a whole lot about Walter's Grove. I, I, if I could think of the man's name that was the pastor, you might know him. He, he comes around this area and preaches. I just can't think of his name. Uh, I, I don't know him that well. I just know of him. But he is now an evangelist, and so he went into full-time evangelism and um, resigned, resigned his church and asked if Brother Jacob would be upset if he recommended him as the next pastor. So they had Brother Jacob come up this week. They've been talking to him for about a month about it, maybe somewhere around there. And they had him come up this week, and um, they had him preach at another church somewhere or he I think he was already scheduled to preach and they came the 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 board came the the pastoral board whatever that is 
show me that in the Bible. And so anyways, um, they, they came to watch him and, you know, get an idea of, but they already knew him and all that. And so it was, it was already going to go well. And he preached. They liked him. So then they had him come the next church service, which was, I think, a Wednesday, and had him preach. And then um, they, they took time between Wednesday and Sunday to decide if they, they wanted him to come back and preach again. And he did again. And then they voted. And so he is now the pastor of that church. I'm, I'm excited for him. He, he, was, uh, he did a good job. In Amory, not you know, his frustration there was that in Amory, which is Loosedale basically, there are like five or six independent Baptist churches that are exactly the same, <laughs> and and so he felt like the church would never. It was just not going anywhere, and he and he he gave it. He was going all out. He was doing everything he can. He was door knocking. He was street preaching. He was. Preaching in the prison, he was going to nursing homes. I mean, he was doing everything he could think to do, and the church just was not growing, and the people there were just not getting behind what he, what he wanted to do. Um, I mean, they they loved their pastor, and it was going well. They just, you know, it, it just wasn't moving, and and it's hard to do that in a town where there's four other churches just like you, and and people can just bounce from church to church, or they or they've been at one for forever, and and don't want to don't want to go anywhere else, and so. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to draw from when it comes to, you know, people coming to church. So anyways, he is now the pastor of that church. That's exciting. He is a blessing. Continue to pray for him and his family. Um, you'll enjoy him when he comes. He's bigger than life. He's a young man that uh, is just full of personality. And, um, you know, he's, he's not. it's not that he's a showman. He's just... He's just Really outgoing, really, uh, again, he is the definition of a social butterfly. He knows everybody, can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. And in fact, uh, you may not even know, know who this guy is, but he, so the first time I met him, we were in Mississippi. We were in Potts Camp, Mississippi. We happened to be on deputation at a church in Alabama. That pastor came over to a fellowship of some sort, at, at a pastor's fellowship at a church in Potts Camp, Mississippi. And he asked if I wanted, if my wife and I wanted to go with him. I said, sure. And uh, now as a missionary, when I went to a pastor's fellowship, those men are there to be encouraged by other pastors. They are not there to be harassed by missionaries. So when I would go, I would just be quiet, sit in the back and keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to go, you know, can I give you one of these? Uh, when do you want to have me at your church? <laughs> like, you know, I just, I, I don't do that garbage. And so... We were there, hadn't said a word, just quiet, listening to the preaching. It was good. It was. I was actually happy being from Memphis and having not spent a whole lot of time in church. I was excited to see what was going on amongst independent Baptists in that area. I was just excited to be there. And um, eventually, one of the pastors mentioned that I was a missionary. So, you know, some pastors stayed away from me because they thought I was going to turn into a used car salesman and try and trick them into getting me into their church. And other pastors came and introduced themselves and wanted to talk. Actually, uh, Chris Hewitt was there. Do you, you guys know Chris Hewitt? Yeah, he, he was there at that time. He is now a pastor in Georgia. Yeah, took over his dad's church in Georgia. So uh, that just happened in the past couple of weeks. And so he's a pastor there now. Anyway, so Jacob Rutledge comes and introduces himself to me. And he said, do you mind if I get a, a prayer card? I said, well, I, I have one in the car I could get for you. 
And he said, what kind of missionary doesn't carry prayer cards on him? And I said, the kind who's not trying to sell himself. And uh, he said, okay, I would like to have you at my church. <laughs> so from that point on, we became friends and would talk and spent good time together and got to help each other with the Bible and, and uh, just been a, a blessing, been a good friend. His wife's been good to us. She takes pictures for us. She's a very good photographer. So we'll start in 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, this evening, we're going to talk a little bit more about the body and the bride of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, we'll read verse 13 again, just to get our minds going in that direction. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. We've been talking about this body and um, we, we understand from last time that body is the bride, that body is the church. Right, so that when, when people say, well, what is the church? Well, th- this local assembly is not the church. It's just where members of the church meet. And so the, the body and the bride of Christ, um, they, they are pictures, examples, or um, uh, types of the actual church, which is the body of Christ. He shed his blood for it. He died for it. He's the head of that body. I'm not the head as the pastor. I, I, might, I might be responsible for leading a local assembly, but I have no responsibility over the body of Christ. That belongs to its head. Jesus Christ is the head. Now, if I came to you and said, uh, your, body, it, I, it, your body is under my leadership now. <laughs> I mean, well... <laughs> Not to you dislodge it from this head, it's not. <laughs> and if you do that, you might not want it anymore. So, um, so we're, we're talking about the body uh, in, in general terms, which is composed of all believers who have trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and that's the, uh, what we're trying to settle in our hearts and minds as to what that is. So for, uh, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. There, there's only one body. The Bible made that very clear last time. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Well, that solves that problem. So um, should we preach to Jews or Gentiles? Which one? Yes. <laughs> Both. All right, Jews can, can be detached from their, what they are in the flesh if they will trust in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will baptize them into the body of Christ. So they will no longer be recognized as a Jew. They will be members of the church of God. Uh, a Gentile. Well, it, which Gentile? All of them. White ones, black ones, Asian ones. I mean, you name it. Whatever your culture is, whatever your background is, uh, you don't want to live this life. You don't want to die and step out into eternity and stand before God in what you are in your flesh, that'd be very bad. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be summarily judged and cast into hell. That's not going to go well for you. What you want to do is stand before God as a member of the church of God. And the only way to become a member of the church of God is to trust in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the body. So the only way to get from A to B, to get from what you are in your flesh into the body of Christ is through salvation. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body and makes you a member of the body, which is the church. And and it says that, I mean, there's just no question about that as you you go through the the Bible. It's very clear. And uh, so whether Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, 
Well, that doesn't matter either. And we talked about that this morning in Romans 1. The Apostle Paul can send a letter into Rome, the most powerful city in the world, and whether you're bond or free, if you're in the house of Caesar, or if you're in the, in, in, in the lowest pit of their prisons, <laughs> you get the gospel, it can change you. And it'll change you in a way far better than your temporal situation. And so bond or free, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. And he gave all, and, and, uh, and have all been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. We are the members. All right, so this body exists. The Bible calls it the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church, the church of God. Um, the, the, those are all valid monikers from the Bible for what we're talking about. All right, now this is all separate from the local assembly, which we'll talk about in future lessons. The local assembly is where members of the body meet together and carry out the, the responsibilities of a local church. That's a whole different matter, and, and, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks and try to make sure we're all on the same page with those things as well. All right, but this one body, the, the baptism of the Spirit, places believers into the body and bride of Jesus Christ, also known as the church. Therefore, the body is self-propagating, which is interesting. Your body, your body can't grow itself. But the body of it, well, I mean, you stuff enough. <laughs> That's all, never mind. That's, get, that, get that idea out of your head. Let's just stay focused on spiritual things. Don't look at me like that. That's not helping. Brother Nathan is antagonizing. He's, he's urging me on. Uh, the body of Christ reproduces itself. Members of the body can go and preach to people who are not members of the body, and they can trust in Jesus Christ and become members of that body. All right, so it's, it's a self-propagating living organism. That's what the body of Christ is. What does that mean? It's, a, it's, it's an incredible thing. It's a miraculous thing that only God can do. Don't, don't beat your head up over it. Just, just, just go with it. God's right. Um, so, the, the body is self-propagating, and as we preach the gospel to lost souls, they trust in Christ and become members of that same body. As we become members of the body, through the baptism of the Spirit, that same Holy Spirit endows us with gifts so that we can minister to the body. All right, now, you, you thank God for your liver, right? Now, that, your liver is a member of of the body. Brother Hoyt's had a time with his heart. Well, we all thank God we've got one. And, but it doesn't just exist. I mean, what if your heart acted like members of the body of Christ and only showed up and did what it was supposed to do like members of the body of Christ? How well would that go? All right Now, you are a member of this body, but you're supposed to be a functional member of the body. And the moment the Holy Spirit washed you in the blood of Jesus Christ and baptized you into the body, he endowed you with gifts. And you are supposed to exercise those gifts and minister to the body of Christ. Everybody doesn't have the same gift. God gave everybody a different gift. And in some way, you are supposed to be a blessing to the body. Just like when my legs function like they're supposed to, and when my arms function like they're supposed to, they can be a blessing to the body. They can do things. They function. They work. Well, you're not supposed to be a malignant 
member of the body of Christ just hanging around. Like, what's that thing hanging off your neck? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It's just here. <laughs> That's not acceptable. You wouldn't want that in your body. Well, why would you think Christ wants that in his body? Right, so the moment we get saved, we're endowed with gifts. The Lord puts us in the body, and we become members of the body of Christ. And from that point on, our aim is to minister to the body of Christ and to preach the gospel to the lost world. Those are our two main responsibilities after we trust in Jesus Christ. You didn't get saved to just sit around and do nothing or go back to whatever the, the Lord saved you out of. You got saved to be a productive member. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Verses 11 through 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Why were those given to the body? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, why were those gifts given? Because the body of Christ needs edification, and the men given those gifts are responsible to provide that edification. That's why we put so much stake in a pastor. But notice the connection here back in verse 11, pastors and teachers. Now, every other title or, or, or whatever is listed there is separated by a comma, except pastors and teachers. The pastor is responsible to teach the Word of God. The Word of God is, is, is used to build people up. It's used to build the church. And so if you're going to be a pastor, you have to be a pastor and a teacher. They, they come together. They're linked together. You don't get to separate them and say, well, I don't, I don't teach. I just pastor. <laughs> well, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. That's like saying I'm a police officer who doesn't arrest people. What, what, how does that work exactly? And so, well, we see how it works. You look in cities where they're not allowed to arrest people and, and things just go wild. But you look at a church where the pastor doesn't teach, and I guarantee you things are going wild. Things are, things are happening that should not be happening in that church. And so the purpose of these gifts was for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body. Look at verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. <laughs> so when is my job done? When is your job done? Well, it'll be done when we, when we measure up to Christ. Yeah, when, when you can say the body finally measures up to its head, then you can say, okay, I... I I'm done. I can retire. Until then, we got work to do. There is, there is no taking a break. There's no slowing down. There's no backing off. There's no quitting. Uh, until the body has reached the, the stature of the fullness of Christ, <laughs> then, then we got a lot of work to do. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of who? Man. Men. That's, that's why I, I try my best to, when preaching, to rely heavily on Scripture. 
verse after verse after verse to show you the ideas that are coming out of my mouth because I don't want you tossed to and fro by another doctrine from another man. I want you to see it in the Word of God. I want the Bible to convince you. If I convince you, somebody else can come along and, and convince you otherwise. But if you see it in the Word of God, it's hard to move you. When, when you can open the Bible and demonstrate to somebody what you claim to believe, and they say, no, 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 it's this other way, and you say, well, show it to me. And they can't, then you say, well, I'm staying right here. <laughs> There's nowhere for me to go. You're trying to toss me right now with another wind of doctrine, and I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I, I'm on solid ground. I know what the Bible says about what I, what I claim to believe, and as long as I know that, it's going to be real hard for you to move me, and, and, and I'm, I plan to keep it that way. I'm not going anywhere, Lord willing, Lord helping me. And so, back to verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, and so God says, if you're tossed around and don't know what you believe, you're like a child. I mean, you can convince children of just about anything, except maybe Bethany. She may not. She's hard to convince, but um, she questions things. She pays close attention, and she's listening, and when you think she's not listening, and, and, is, and, and will suddenly pop in with a question, and you're like, what? <laughs> I didn't even think you were paying attention to anything we were saying, and, and so we have to be careful with, with that one. Tossed to and fro. You're not supposed to be tossed to and fro. You're supposed to be standing on solid ground. And, and so when the winds come, because you're grounded and rooted in the Word of God, the winds don't move you. And they're going to come. Man, the fads and the, and the doctrine that come blowing through this world, are, it's ridiculous. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. All right, so when another wind of doctrine blows through, guess what that is? It's a slight from men. It's someone trying to deceive you. It's someone trying to move you. And cunning craftiness. Now, you all know that's, that's like a used car salesman trying to, trying to sell you an overpriced piece of junk. It's cunning craftiness. They're trying to trick you into believing something. They're trying to convince you to believe something, and, and they, they have to use craft to do it, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, this is how it's going to happen. Somebody will start coming to this church. I guarantee you it's going to happen. They're going to be so excited to be here. They're going to dress like us. They're going to sing the hymns that we sing. They're going to look like us, act like us. And the whole time, that man's sitting in the back of the room looking at who he can take aside and start spreading doctrine to. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he's looking for somebody that he can devour. And then once he gets that one, he'll go get another one. And when he gets that one, he'll go get another one. He'll just start picking sheep off. And then by the time I find out about it, because he's not going to come talk to me, then I'm going to have to deal with him and four or five, six people or families that he's gotten to before the word finally got to me that we have a wolf devouring sheep in our congregation. And that's the way it always happens. He's not going to come up here to me and say, Pastor, I got an idea. I've got some doctrine from the Bible I'd like to talk to you about. No problem. Let's sit down and talk about it. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to go to one of you and start whispering in your ears. He's going to start calling you outside of church and saying, well, you know, I know that pastor said this on Sunday, but have you thought about this? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Let me, let me, there's so many things I'd like to show you in the Bible. And so they're, they're going to sneak around 
and try and push what they believe into the congregation and steal away disciples one after another until finally the church is split or torn or the pastor is run out of town. And there are, there's an entire group from Arizona. That's their entire prerogative. That's what they do. They go looking for churches that they can take over. And, and they, they come in. They're going to they're gonna dress nice. They're going to know the hymns you know. They're going to use a King James Bible. They're going to know their Bible well. You're going to be so excited to have them. Here, here's what happens in most cases. A pastor is so excited to have a family like that come in. He's like, man, why don't you start teaching Sunday school? And he does. You just don't know what he's teaching. And then you say, man, he's doing such a good job. Let's give him some more responsibility. Let's turn over more of my church to a man I don't know. And then a year later, you're, you're wondering what happened when the church turns against you or you get put out of the church. Or, or if the pastor is strong enough to confront it, it doesn't get dealt with without losing half the church or, or ripping the church in, into pieces. You are not supposed to be tossed in that way. And somebody shows up and starts saying, I know the pastor said this, but, but we should believe this. Or pushing a different idea or a different doctrine, it, you need to either confront that person or you need to let me know so that I can confront that person. Immediately. Because this is how they come in. And, and typically, typically it's, it has something to do with, and, and their, their primary objective is to get you to believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation. And so that, that's, that's kind of their, their soapbox. And so they'll come in and start teaching you that the church is going to go through the tribulation and, and expecting you to believe that and push that upon others. So um, we're just not going to have that stuff around here. Um, we'll have to, in a, in a kind way, escort them out the door. If they want to stay and keep their mouth shut, they're welcome to. But you're not going to you're not going to be calling people behind my back or, or spreading false doctrine through the church and tearing the church apart over your ideas. It's just not not going to happen. And and we all we, we are all responsible to be diligent about that. Now, verse 16, from whom the whole body now come back to verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. All right, now what he just said is every part of the body has a responsibility to help edify the body and build the body and make sure that it is fitly joined together and built up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody has that responsibility. All of us. Nobody gets left out. All right, now, based on who you are and your background and, and um, what you've done with your life or uh, if you're a man or a woman and, and all these different things, we're all given different responsibilities and we minister to the body in different ways. And we want to be careful to do that in a godly manner. You don't want to overstep bounds that God would not have you overstep. But everybody is supposed to minister. Everybody is supposed to, to, to give back, to do something to help the body move along and, and, and to function well. All right, now, we as individual members 
have been given gifts. Some are uh, laid out here in Ephesians 4. Others are described in 1 Corinthians 12, as well as other places in the Bible. Each member of the body is expected to serve God. And, of course, that goes without saying. But they are also equipped to serve God and the members of the body in a particular capacity based upon the gifts they were given. You want to do some real soul searching and find out what, what your, your gifts are. And we're not talking about just your talents. It, it's, it's beyond that. It's deeper than that. All right? Every, everybody has certain talents, but God, is, God gives us gifts, and he expects us to use those gifts to minister to the body. But God's going to take those gifts, and he's going to use you beyond your ability to minister to the body, if you will allow him. So we're not talking about just, uh, I'm good at this, so let me do that. that that's, that's fine. That, that helps. That works. But God is, is talking about taking you beyond your natural ability with gifts that were given to you by the Holy Spirit so that you can be a, a functioning and edifying member of the body of Christ. And that's what is desperately needed in the body today and well, throughout history always. And if we fail to do so, then we're gonna, we will have hindered the perfection of the bride. Now, in the end, the Lord is going to make his bride perfect. But along the way, we're supposed to be step by step doing our part to make that happen. And when we fail to do our part to help the bride move in the direction of perfection, then we're, we're, we're not doing what the Lord asked us to do. Now, in the end, he will make it happen, praise the Lord. But along the way, we're supposed to be doing that, moving the church, the body in that direction. And it's up to us to make sure that we, that we stay on top of that. Look at Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Verse 3 for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, what's he talking about? The body of Christ, the church, the bride. That's, that's what he's talking about. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Right? That, that makes perfect sense. That's how the body is joined together. Your hand doesn't exist on its own. It's attached to the body. And, and what your hand does has consequences for the body, right? So you want to make sure you do it. The same is true for us. You want to make sure you're being productive and helpful. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Uh, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, uh, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, uh, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave, cleave to that which is good. So the Lord expects you to take up some service in the body of Christ. Be a blessing in some way, a help in some way. It, it, and, it, you know, that, 
The blessing that my fingernails are to me is probably a small thing until I don't have them. All right, so whatever, however small you think it is, it's only, it only seems small because it exists. When it's not there, it, it suddenly everybody's like, where's that thing that used to be here to help us do this? And it's gone. All right, so every member has a responsibility to minister to the body. And when you don't do that, it, it hinders the work of the body, the flow of the body, the increase of the body, the edifying of the body. All of it is hindered and broken, and, and, it, and it doesn't happen. Uh, that service will be fitting for you as a member of the body and also as a man or woman in the Lord. Now, it's, it's you know, you're not, a lady's not going to show up here and say, the Lord has given me the gift to pastor. Well, I mean, he might have, but not here. <laughs> it's just not going to work out well for you. Because uh, that doesn't fit with the word of God. So when he gave you a gift so that you can minister to the body, it's going to be in line with who you are, where you came from, all, all those, those wonderful things. Now, God wants you to take up that gift and let him use it in a supernatural way. It, it, and it, it, it's up to you to allow the Lord to do that, to go beyond your, your ability. The human body has many, has many members, and each member performs some important function. The same is true of the many members of the body of Christ. Each member performs an important function we cannot do without any member of the body of Christ. Now, we can have a malignant member, and we are expected to serve in the body. Now, you, you, you don't want to be that member, that part of the body that no longer functions, that no longer works, it just exists. That, that, when that happens, what that means is something has gone terribly wrong in your body. There is disease. There is uh, a breakdown in the body. There is, there, it's not functioning and working the way it's supposed to. You don't want to be that member. The Lord looks down and says, what's wrong with my leg? Well, I can't get half the people that I gave that responsibility to show up and do what they're supposed to do. And so I'm dragging my leg around because it doesn't function right. We, we, we can't do that. Uh, each member performs an important function, and, and they need to be there. The Lord blessed you with gifts, and, uh, and they can be used beyond your natural ability to edify the body of Christ. That, right now, that is... The, 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 there are two primary goals in the world right now. Number one is to preach the gospel to every creature. Every generation needs to preach the gospel to every creature. And if every generation will do that, souls will be saved, Christianity will be propagated, it'll carry on as needed. Number two is to edify the body. Right, so you, you have to do both. And we have such a comfortable culture that... Church has become a place I go, sit, and do nothing on Sunday. And you know what we call that? Church service. Well, who did you serve? What did you do? You just, you just came and warmed a seat. Now, I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you warmed the seat. But you want to be a functioning member of the body to the best of your ability, and even beyond your ability with God's help, if you'll show up with that mentality, what can I do? How can I make this place better? 
how, how can I help? How can I improve things? What can I do to take a load off somebody else in the church or, or to, to help make sure things keep going, keep moving, are cleaned, are, are improved, or whatever? It's up to everybody. And if any one person doesn't help, then somebody else has to carry that person's load. It's everybody's responsibility, not just the pastor, not just certain members. Now, in the Bible, Israel is the unfaithful wife of Jehovah, and that's a shame. God became so angry with Israel that, that as her husband, he separated himself from her. He wrote her a bill of separation. Now, later, he'll be joined back to Israel. This is God the Father, but that's how bad things went with Israel. Now, the church is described as the virgin bride of the Son of God, and she patiently awaits for the coming of her bridegroom. Now, Israel, what Israel did was horrendous. But it's hard to say the church is doing that much better. Now, it should be. But we're talking large scale. It's frustrating to see what is called Christianity today and the things that are happening in the name of God. And so... We'll see how all that works out, and I know the Lord will make it right in the end, but it would be nice if some things didn't exist now. Um, but the bride is patiently waiting for the coming of her bridegroom. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. That's the church. Now, a couple of things, a couple of practical matters to talk about. I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. The world has turned jealousy into a monstrous idea. And if misapplied, it can be, it can be bad. But if I saw my wife flirting with another man, you better believe I'm going to be jealous. And it's not going well. Everybody's going to be uncomfortable in that room. Everybody. It's going to be ugly. But she is my wife. Now, if she's at fault, it's really going to be uncomfortable. If he's at fault, he better tuck his tail and leave. Now, my wife has never done that. And I have my, the, the, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. I have no reason to think that she would. But jealousy is a good thing. You are supposed to be jealous over your wife. You are supposed to be jealous over your husband. There is supposed to be a deep desire for each other and an unwillingness to share it. Now, if that makes me, if that turns me into some sort of violent monster, then we got a whole nother problem. That's not jealousy anymore. That's a whole, that's a, that's a whole nother issue. God said, of Israel, I am jealous over you. I'm not sharing. Jesus Christ said of the church, you are my bride. I cherish the church. I will cleave to my bride. I am jealous over you. I'm not sharing your attention. I'm not sharing your heart. I'm not sharing your desires. I want to be the soul, your soul desire. And he deserves it. And the only way a relationship can be healthy is if the bride gives the husband that, 
that, that, that level of safety and security and, and attention, and if, the, if the, the husband does the exact same thing. Now, if I tell my wife, you, I better never catch you talking to another man, but then I'm out flirting with every woman in town, what do you think that's going to cause? It's going to cause people to lose their minds. What, what it produces is somebody, a man comes home, finds his wife with another man when he's been faithful to her and kills everybody in the house. What do you think he was going to do? He, he made himself vulnerable to that woman. He opened himself up to that woman. And he thought he had the same thing in, in reciprocity. And he didn't. And he came home to find out he's been taken advantage of in a horrible way. And you think he's not going to do something? You don't want to toy with a man's wife who cleaves to her, who is jealous over her. You don't want to toy with a woman's husband if she is jealous over her husband. And you should be jealous over each other if you're husband and wife. She is my wife. I am her husband. There's, there's no, we don't, I don't have Facebook conversations with other women. Other women don't call me and we talk on the phone and just hang out on the phone. What, what is wrong with you? If some man was calling my wife and she's like, oh, we're just friends. I don't think so. It's, it's, now, it's never happened and never will. Because we are dedicated to each other. And in order for that relationship to remain strong and healthy, I need to see that from her and she needs to see that from me without fail. You fail one time. And now in the back of their mind, what's he doing? What's she doing? Where is she? Why didn't she answer? Why didn't he answer? Now, I, I call my wife and I get mad every time because she never answers the phone. <laughs> but it has never crossed my mind, what is, she, what is she doing? Who is she with? Never. I just know she will not answer her phone because she doesn't have the ringer on. She doesn't have it in her pocket. If she does have it in her pocket, she doesn't realize it's vibrating. It's the same thing over and over and over. I send her text messages. Why did I get you a phone? <laughs> I'm throwing it away. But it has never occurred to me that I should be concerned about what she's doing or who she's with. I, I can tell you already, I know what she's doing. I know who she's with. In my mind, I'm like, which, which child does she have on the toilet right now and can't get to her phone? Because that's what's going on. But that's because I trust her and she trusts me. And, and it has to be that way. Well, that, that's how it's supposed to be with, with the bride of Christ. The Lord said, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. One husband. Not one at a time. One husband. You don't get a second chance. You don't get a door. Like, Lord, this wife just not working out. Can, can I have another one? No. When... When you wanted her, you stood in front of everybody with a big smile on your face and said, till death do us part. And now that you don't like something, you're like, can I, can I have another one? No. No, you need to go work it out. Well, we're just, we're not in love anymore. Well, get back in it. Figure it out. Lester Roloff used to say, Adam didn't show up and say, Lord, couldn't you give me a selection? <laughs> 
God said, here she is. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> there, there was no, well, let's, just, let's try on a few and see how they fit. No, it doesn't. This is not a suit. It's not a car. You're dealing with people. And they have emotions. They have feelings. They have lives. Children get involved. You're toying with fire. Get over yourself. Well, I don't like the way she... Should we go down the list of things she doesn't like that you do? The list is probably longer. In fact, when my wife didn't do something I thought she should, and I feel like I want to get mad, I start thinking about the five things that I was supposed to do and didn't do, and I'm like, you know, maybe you should just leave it alone. <laughs> just get over it. I don't know what you think you are. My wife is not here to be my, my servant. We're here to help each other. And, and, and I am jealous over my wife, and, and that's how, how, how God handles these things. Look at John 3. Jealousy is a good thing if it's a healthy thing in a healthy relationship. It's when the relationship becomes toxic that jealousy becomes dangerous. John 3, verses 28 through 29. Verse 28, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly, because the bridegroom's voice, this my joy therefore is fulfilled. John said, I heard, the, I, I got to hear the voice of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Now, John's not part of the bride. John, John was an Old Testament prophet. The, the, the church, the body of Christ, didn't start till after the death of Jesus Christ. John died long before that. And so, but he was sure excited to get to hear the voice of the bridegroom. And he rejoiced. They kept coming to him and asking him, who are you? <laughs> How is it you can come out here dressed like that, eating that, preaching in the wilderness, and you got thousands of people coming all over the place? We can't do that. Who are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm not the Christ. And I've told you, I'm not the Christ, but I shall rejoice when I hear his voice. And, and so Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And uh, we, let, we read last week in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 33, how the husband and wife relationship picture the relationship between the Lord and the church. And so in this passage in John, the Lord is laboring to actually in, um, in, in Ephesians 5, the Lord is laboring to sanctify and to cleanse his bride. Now, how's that for marriage counseling? When, you know, a husband's complaining about his wife and, and feels like the Lord is leading him to leave her. I don't know what Lord he would be referring to, but, but this is, that's how it always goes. So like, you know, I, I just think the Lord wants, wants something else for me. Really? What? It was the Lord's will when you wanted to marry her. What happened? How'd the Lord mess this up so bad? And then, well, no, that's, that's not. I said, well, let me show you what the Bible says. Jesus Christ married a deadbeat bride. He's a spouse to a deadbeat bride. You know what he does? He fixes her up. He builds her up. He makes her what he would like her to be. He didn't get mad and leave and drop her and say, you know what? Forget this. I'm over it. He, 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 is, he, is, he, he, he is going to sanctify her and cleanse her himself. 
He took that upon himself. He didn't throw her out and say, let's go find a new woman. He said, I'm, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll build her up. He intends to present his bride a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That's what he did. So what do you think his advice would be to you? You know, it's, when you're in that situation, you're almost like, man, I wish that passage wasn't there. Because <laughs> I decided I want to leave my wife, and I thought I had a good excuse until this stupid preacher sits down, opens the Bible, and shows me that Jesus Christ married a woman that was no good. But he loves her. And he's going to make her spotless. And he's going to, make her, he's going to cleanse her. And he's going to present her as spotless to himself. And then in Revelation, do I have that in this, in this passage? I think so. Yeah, I, think, I think we're going to read it in a moment. But in, in the book of Revelation, it says the bride hath made herself ready. The same bride you cleansed, the same bride that you made spotless, and then in the end, you give her the credit, that's marriage. That's how it works. You don't get to just complain about the other person. You're not Jesus. <laughs> All right, so, so the bride ha has one major problem. The bride doesn't get to complain about her bridegroom. I mean, he couldn't be any more perfect. But the bride has lots of problems. And the bridegroom says, you know what? I'm going to take care of those problems. I need you to work on it for now. But in the end, I'm going to perfect you before I present you to myself. And then after he does all that, he says, look at my bride who made herself ready. <laughs> That's the way a relationship's supposed to work. He didn't say, look at my bride. You, know, you wouldn't believe what I had to do to get this woman ready which is what men do today and what women do today. I, I, somebody sent me some video the other day of this woman. She's secretly recording her husband while he's building a deck for her and complaining that he's privileged and wish she could have his privileged position in life. That's how people treat each other today. I'm a victim. He, he should treat me better. No, you, you married him. Serve him. You married her, take care of her. Yeah, but you don't know what she does. Doesn't matter. W within limitation. If he's beating you, well, then we need to talk. If, he puts it, if she's beating you, well, we really need to talk because you've got, you got a whole other set of manhood problems that we need to work out. In Uganda, that was a thing. It would come on the news all the time. There was this scourge of women who were beating their husbands. And the news, when interviewed the husbands... If my wife was beating me and the news showed up, I would just be like. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. But what, beat me? No, no, not my wife. And so that's where we are. His death on the cross and shedding of his blood was the dowry payment for his wife. He paid for his wife. I didn't have to pay anything for my wife. Now, her father was a bit hesitant about turning her over to me, but I convinced him in the end. I won't say how, but. <laughs> and we have been reconciled by the Lord. Eventually, the bridegroom will come for his church and take her to be with him in glory. Why are we going to glory again? 
Because of him. Why do we have a mansion waiting in heaven? Because of him. Why, why do we, as unclean things, have this wonderful future to look forward to? Because of the bridegroom. And at no point have we lived in such a way as to earn it or, or to own it or to be, to be uh, he doesn't owe it to us. He just loves his bride. And wants to take care of her. Our pastor, when I, when I had talked to him about Mary and Kristen, at the time I didn't have a house. And uh, he, he took me to this passage where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Before Jesus gets married, he goes and prepares a place for his bride. Shouldn't you consider doing the same? And then his bride, with all her faults, he says, I'll, I'll help you with that. I'll I'll build you up in that area. I'll strengthen you in that area. I'll cleanse and clean that area. I'll do everything I can to help you and present you to me, a blameless, cleansed, washed, spotless bride to myself. And then I'm going to give you the credit for it. Now, imagine if marriages were handled that way, what they would look like. Would we have a 70% divorce rate in, in the church? How can that be? That's because of weak men, weak pastors, people who refuse to lead and direct and to confront problems. They allow things to linger. They cower uh, under the problems, and they don't, they don't handle them. They don't take care of them. They just, they just let it spiral out of control, and we, we can't have that. Look at Revelation 19. This be our last stop. Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. Verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Now listen. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Now, we, we didn't read it. It probably would have helped to, to have read it again. We, I, I didn't read it this time because we, we spent a lot of time in it last week. But Ephesians 5 goes on and on about how the Lord shed his own blood to cleanse this bride, to clean this bride, uh, to, to make her spotless because she's not. And the end, the end result is that the Lord presents his bride to himself spotless. And here we are at the marriage of the Lamb, and it says, The bride hath made herself ready. That, that, that's a bless, that, that is a sweet, sweet thing to read in the Word of God. She hath made herself ready, verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. It's a true saying of God that you and I are going to be presented to Jesus Christ as a chaste virgin ready for marriage. That's going to be an exciting day. The Lord will celebrate with his bride in heaven just before we return with him to establish his kingdom on earth. Now, 
the present need for the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, we are to exercise the gifts given us as members of the body to call out of the world those who would trust in the Lord. This helps to form the body of Christ, and we have a part in that. Christ prophesied that he would build his church. And the Apostle Paul likened the church to a building being built with lively stones. We play a part in, the, in this building, the body, the bride, the church. And we do that by going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Remember, God said that the saved man can plow, he can water, he can snow, uh, sow, he can break up the fallow ground, but only God can give the increase. We, as the body, play a part in this process, but we rely upon God to give the needful increase. But if you don't sow, there will be no increase. If you don't plow, there will be no increase. If you don't water, there will be no increase. That's our part. I'm going to make sure we're doing that as the body of Christ. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being so, so good to us. Thank you that we could be here at a time where we get to be a part of this body. And uh, there's so much to talk about, so much to know about the future of the body and the wonderful things you have in store for us simply because we trusted in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful we get, we get to be a part of that. Please help us to honor you, to glorify you. Help us to do all we can, Lord, to, uh, to, to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. And uh, we do it all for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.